It is a joy to be here this morning to share with you in the installation of your pastor. I read a, a definition of installation in the dictionary. It said, as if to nail to a wall. I hope we're not nailing you to any wall today. But I do hope instead, rather than, I, I, I want to get away from installation, the word installation, to talk more about a marriage of pastor and people. Feels better to me than installation. But it's, I look, I'm thrilled to be here. I recently had the privilege of, having, of, of coming over and, and having lunch with your pastor, and we shared with one another, caught up with one another, and I found myself getting excited for you as I became acquainted with him. This feels like all the makings of a good marriage. It, I've got to say, it is also a blessing for me today to be reunited with a colleague and friend that goes back 19 years. I've served as your executive minister, just now beginning my 20th year, September 1, and over the years to have worked with the Reverend Dr. Kinney in a host of ways. Her gifts have blessed this Baptist family I didn't like it when she got cut. She ended up with the UCC crowd for a season. Couldn't hardly even say that. But I'm glad to connect with you this day. And I hope you know that your family of Baptists still claim you. And uh, we are praying for you and recognizing you've been in a healing process. And uh, so know that you're ever so much loved by this group. It's hard to believe that I have been serving among you for going into my 20th year. I, I remember the first time I came over to Jackson, Alvin Elliott was your pastor. Any of you remember Alvin Elliott? Oh yeah, okay. Well, he, he quickly loaded me up in a Lincoln Continental, Richard. Big car for a, a big man. And hauled me all over Jackson to get a taste of the city literally and figuratively, and uh, had a wonderful time with him. At the time, he was serving also, not only as your pastor, but volunteered as the chair of our historical committee for the American Baptist Churches of Michigan. And it was, he was just such a delight to work with in those years. Um, so that brings a lot of memories. And since that time to the present, According to my records, I've been here 12 times to share with you in, from this pulpit. You are truly the Grace Baptist Church. You keep bringing me back in the hopes I'll finally get it right one of these days. And lest I really mess with your heads, I need to just confess up front to you right now. You're going to hear, for some of you that, whose memory is very good, you're going to say, wait a minute. We heard him preach this one back in March. I do have more than 12 sermons. But I wanted in particular to talk about this and this moment in this marriage of pastor and people. Why Baptist? Why Baptist? I, I, I shared this with you at the invitation of Reverend Ross Lucas back in March. He had asked me to talk about our Baptist roots, which I enjoy, always enjoy talking about. And I shared the same scripture text that were read to you just a few moments ago. And if you recall, I talked more, I'm not going to go as far into it today as I did back then, 
But I recounted the story of the first Baptist church founded by English Christians in Amsterdam, Holland in 1609. I reference this message again to you, with you because why I think it's really important at this moment when we have marriage of pastor and people to ask the question in a day in which denominationalism has fallen out of favor with so many folks, so why do we claim our Baptist roots? Why Baptist? Pastor Flip and I do not claim that my answer should be your answer or any individual in this room's answer for why being Baptist. God makes Baptist, after all, like he makes apples and oranges. All of us have our own shape and color. Conditioning processes vary dramatically. Diversity is the stuff that gives us distinctive qualities as individuals and as Baptists. Diversity is to be embraced, after all, if we're going to be historical Baptist. And as I shared with you all back a few months ago, after much thought, I have concluded that I'm a Baptist for three basic reasons. First, I was born, reared, and nurtured in a Baptist home in a Baptist church. Now, like your pastor, I was with another crowd of Baptists, back a very historical group of Baptists that about, what, 30 years ago became hysterical. And we had to find another crowd of Baptists to, to be with. There's more Baptist than Baskin-Robbins has flavors of ice cream. How many do they have? 32. That's right. And so there's, there's a whole lot of different Baptists. The second reason I'm Baptist is because I believe that responsible approaches to Baptist history support the essential biblical ideals that have driven the Baptist experience. And third, I've chosen consciously to remain Baptist when at times, I have to confess, circumstances have caused me to want to throw in the towel. Have you ever been there? You did. No, you didn't. You just moved. You didn't throw in the towel. <laughs> I ask the congregation to indulge me for a few moments this morning as I go back and visit these three reasons as I shared with you back in March yet again. I want to name some names. I want to describe some events. I want to identify some heroes. I will cite values that matter to me. And most of all, I hope by the end of the message that, that you will understand that to be truly Baptist acknowledges the Lordship of Christ. First, I was born, reared, and nurtured in a Baptist home and in a Baptist church. I was in my mother's womb in a Baptist church pew. I was born into a Baptist family. My grandfather Williams was a cotton farmer, Southern Baptist preacher in the river bottoms of West Tennessee. Uh, it, it's just part of my history and heritage. My childhood memories are of Parma Baptist Church in Parma, Ohio, when my dad went north to get off the cotton field and find another way to make a living and end up in, as an engineer with NASA at Lewis Research Center in Cleveland, and I grew up in a suburb there. And I remember going to Parma Baptist Church where the congregation in its, in its fledgling early years met in an old house. We, we had worship in literally a two-story house. And I remember in those early years that we, 
We studied church history even as young people. We had vacation Bible schools. We had training union. Remember some of those terms, doubts? The church licensed me to the gospel ministry and it graciously tolerated all those awful youth sermons I endeavored to preach. I have special memories of a gentleman named Adolf Hoffman. He was the music director at Parma Baptist Church. He was determined that we know every hymn in the Broadman Hymnal. And wouldn't you know, midway through my experience growing up at Parma Baptist, they had to buy a new hymnal. So I had to learn even more hymns after that. But we were going to, link, we were going to know them. And we did that on, through singspirations on Sunday night. Y'all ever do the singspirations? Remember those. We'd, we sang all those great old hymns of the church on Sunday evenings. You'd holler out a number and we'd, we'd sing it. And old brother Adolf Hoffman always loved to, and invariably someone wanted to, to sing Standing on the Promises. And, and of course he'd always say, well, we can't sit on the premises. We've got to stand on the promises. I, I see some heads now. You remember that. How could I ever forget Reverend Roger Roberts, my pastor through uh, junior high and high school? He talked with me in his office about the meaning of salvation one day. He baptized me. His preaching made a powerful impact on me. Why am I Baptist? I'm a Baptist because of a conditioning process. The Baptist lay people in that little church in Parma, Ohio, invested heavily in me. They cared. Those volunteers spent countless hours putting up with us. They didn't get paid a dime for their ministry. Baptist volunteerism lay at the heart of their strategy. And what a difference they made in my life. Now someone might ask, well, but Mike, come on. Wouldn't you have likely received similar training and care if you'd grown up a Lutheran or a Methodist or one of those UCC folk? And that would be a good question since I strongly believe that all of us need to learn more about our neighbors and other denominations than most of us know. But my reply is that anything I would say about that would be pure speculation. <clears throat> the persons whom I've described to you today, back at Parma Baptist, Baptists though they be, are real people who told me in a thousand ways and showed me in a thousand ways that they love me. Those Baptists are my history. Second, I'm a Baptist because I believe that responsible approaches to Baptist history support the essential biblical ideals that have driven the Baptist experience. The best Baptist historians agree that Baptists originated in the 1600s. Sorry about those that claim the trail of blood and try to go back to John the Baptizer. I don't buy that one. But early 1600s, first in Amsterdam and later in England. And I share that view. However, I, am, I must tell you that there was at least one Baptist who wiggled, wiggled himself into the Old Testament, the guy we read about this morning in Scripture. His name was Daniel. I, he was a good example of a good Baptist, Ma manipulated by his assistants who were jealous of Daniel's uh, achievements in the king's administration. King Darius threatened Daniel within an inch of his life. He signed a document specifically intended for Daniel. 
stating that any person who petitioned any god or man within 30 days other than Darius himself would be cast into a den of lions. And Daniel, he responded to that threat like a Baptist who knows the difference between church and state. The Revised Standard Version reads, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. And he got down upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, just as he had done previously. Daniel refused to let the state dictate the nature, content, or timing of his prayer life. He refused to let an earthly king tell him what God he would worship. He refused to violate his personal liberty of conscience in order to please low-minded people around him. He refused to abandon the high and holy gift of voluntary worship of the Most High God. He refused to cave in to pressurized faith, even though he knew the consequences could be very serious. Lots of good Baptists over the years have imitated Daniel's carefully calculated decision to be a dissenter and a nonconformist. Never content to follow the crowd, they've chosen to make a difference by denying themselves, taking up their crosses, and following their Lord. I believe in the value of primary sources. For me, the primary sources of my faith are not the writings of John Calvin or any other theologian. They're not the sermons of Billy Graham or any other preacher or evangelist. They are not the resolutions or statements of concern crafted by an American Baptist convention meeting or annual gathering. The primary sources of my faith are the life of Christ and the teachings of the Bible. I find amazing similarities between historic Baptist principles and the claims of Christ and biblical ideals. However, I appreciate that Members of other denominations read the same Bible, study the same Christ, and reach different conclusions that I might make. And I respect the right of all Baptists to do the same. What's the joke where two or three Baptists are gathered together, there's at least five opinions? But I believe that when one throws the bedrock principles of Baptist history Up against the teachings of Christ, the documents of the Bible, they fit together. Believer's baptism runs through the New Testament. That's Baptist. Religious liberty as a gift of God for all people permeates the Bible. That's Baptist. Calls for a personal, voluntary faith and practice characterize the teachings of Jesus. That's Baptist. Recognition of the priesthood of all believers as a New Testament given. That's Baptist. Jesus' efforts to free women, minorities, the poor, and dispossessed saturated his life and his teachings. And that's Baptist when we're at our best. And the list goes on. Roger Williams, the first Baptist pastor in America, turned New England religion on its ears in the 1600s 
with his emphasis on believers' baptism, religious liberty, and the separation of church and state, affirming the spiritual and civil rights of all people was his cause. John Clark, noted colonial Baptist pastor, spent 12 years in England in the 1650s and 60s, patiently securing a charter for Rhode Island, guaranteeing religious freedom for all citizens. Church-state separation was his call. Luther Rice rode horseback thousands of miles up and down the eastern seaboard in the early 1800s. He crossed rivers, endured lousy weather, suffered illnesses, all because he cared deeply about missions and he wanted to raise dollars for the missions around the world. Martin Luther King Jr., African-American Baptist leader, served as a pastor, developed a theology of nonviolent opposition to human injustice, received the Nobel Peace Prize, and was assassinated. Civil rights was his call. Williams, Clark, Rice, and King provide models directly from our Baptist heritage that I believe are worth imitating. These people were willing to sacrifice themselves for the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ, the authority of the Bible, believer's baptism, voluntarism in faith and practice, religious liberty, priesthood of believers, missions, congregational government, and other sacred Baptist teachings. Biblical principles jumped from their stories. Why am I a Baptist? The Bible and Baptist history approached rightly places in the context of real heroes, shows how to take up our crosses in pure obedience to Christ's calling, teaches us how to defy the negative and thrust us into the offensive as principled Christians. Finally, thirdly, I'm a Baptist because I consciously chose in recent years to remain one when, at times, circumstances tempted me to throw in the towel. There are those who move from being historical Baptist to hysterical Baptist, and in the process, they've given Baptist a bad name in some corners. I'm especially appalled by those who whom have forgotten their Baptist history and heritage, if they ever knew it, and have become creedal. If you or I don't think like they think at every point, they're ready to banish us from Baptist life. The hell with you. That's not historical Baptist. My, but then my memory kicks in. I remember my seminary professors like Walter B. Sheridan and Ben Philbeck and Randall Lolly and and others who taught me that the proper way to be Baptist was to open one's Bible and one's mind at the same time. Soul competency and freedom of biblical interpretation lay at the heart of their vision for students. For them, being Baptist was a commitment stacked around the priorities of Christ, the same priorities that received full play in the formative experiences and documents of Baptists. I remember, though, that while some Baptists cannot be trusted, the Baptist vision can be. The Baptist dream is as compelling as ever. Pastor Flippin, as you are installed as pastor of First Baptist Church of Jackson, 
I encourage you to lead this congregation in reaffirming the Baptist vision. May together you create an environment where the best of being Baptist is recognized and honored. May together you all be Baptist enough to, inf- to affirm that Jesus Christ is Lord, to acknowledge the Bible as a sole written authority for our faith, to accept God's offer of soul competency, to practice your faith in the context of a healthy sense of freedom, cooperation, and accountability, and stand firm for the rights of all persons to practice their faith as they choose. May together you all be Baptist enough to believe that God knew what he was doing when he created Adam and Eve, you and me, and endowed us with the intelligence to think for ourselves to choose our own God, to forge our own faith. May together you all be Baptist enough to take Jesus at his word when he launched his earthly ministry in a synagogue in Nazareth by pulling freedom themes from Isaiah. Hear these words again that were just uttered a few moments ago. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord. This liberty-based self-identification of Christ in Luke 4 sets the pattern for what it means to be Baptist. The foremost contribution of Baptist to a world civilization resides in our contributions to freedom. My prayer for you, Pastor Flippin, for the members of this congregation, is that you will reclaim and even more fully live into what it means to be Baptist. The world at its worst, my friends, needs for Baptists to be at our best. May it be so of you this day.